Step into the rhythmic world of our latest podcast episode featuring Alex Mazur, where dance becomes a vessel for self-expression and empowerment. In this dynamic conversation, Alex shares the transformative power of dancing as her creative outlet, delving into the emotions, stories, and sheer joy that unfolds on the dance floor. But this episode goes beyond the dance steps as Alex opens up about the concept of faking it till you make it in the world of dance, a philosophy that speaks to resilience, self-confidence, and the journey of embracing one's authentic self. Join us as we explore the beats, the passion, and the liberating journey of dancing through life with Alex. This episode is a celebration of authenticity and the art of expression, the boundless energy that comes alive when you dance to your own rhythm. Tune in and get ready to be inspired to move, whether on the dance floor or through the dance of life itself. Welcome back to Prolific Creation Studio Podcast. I'm joined here today with um, Alex, whose creativity outlet is dancing. So welcome, Alex. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, can you kind of just, just to jump right into it, kind of tell us about what your creativity outlet is and just um, what got you into that? Um, I am a dancer. And the story of how I got into dance is my hips were not in the right place when I was born. And the doctor said, you should probably put her in ballet. And so my mom put me in ballet when I was like four. I didn't like ballet, but I learned about all the other different types of dance. And I've been dancing since then. In high school, I found my love for tap and had one of the most incredible teachers and so tap really became my thing awesome okay so then is there anything from that time period right because i think for from what i understand from like most creative um outlets that most people pursue right usually at a young age you kind of forced into it and then you kind of grow to love it right um is there anything okay. from that transition point that just really convinced you like hey you know what i kind of dig this I'm, let's give it more of a try uh my very first ballet class it was structured so it was ballet at the beginning and tap at the end because like for little kids you got to keep their attention and so if i went to ballet class i got to do tap and in tap, you get to make noise. <laughs> and so that kept me in. And then like at the studio, there were the big girls. And I wanted to be like them, but they had to take all of the dance classes. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll take all of the dance classes since I want to be cool like them. All right. Very cool. Okay. So um, can you share a bit, a little bit more about your dance background? And so the kind of what your training looked like, apart from ballet and um, tab, and then just how, what kind of style then do you specialize in? So growing up from kindergarten through high school, I did jazz, tap, ballet, and point. Um, in elementary school, it was probably like two hours a week. I was at the studio, maybe three. Um, in middle school, it was around five hours a week. 
And then in high school, I was dancing both at the studio and at school because I went to a performing arts school and I was dancing around 22 hours a week. Um, so it was pretty intense. Right. So basically a part-time job at that point. So for those that kind of aren't as familiar with the different dancing styles, can you kind of give us just kind of a little description of the difference between you said jazz, tap, and then uh, point dancing? Right. Mm -hmm. So jazz is, if you've ever seen um, like the movie Chicago or Cabaret, um, Bob Fosse is the the godfather of jazz. Like jazz hands, that's Bob Fosse. Um kind of is now more of like what you would see it's like okay mm, similar to how you see you like um music videos that aren't hip-hop because like hip-hop is is its own thing but jazz is more of a like white person version of hip-hop um tap is the shoes with the metal on it we stomp and spring and riffle and make music with our feet ballet is the classical tutu pink tights proper bun up on top and point is where you're literally on your toes with the boxes okay so then as a as can you kind of then elaborate a little bit more right on just how you discovered that creative outlet for yourself and kind of just really made it your own based on the three different styles that you just described and how has that kind of transformed from when you first started to where you are now uh my dance teacher i hated being at home and i got to go to dance for at least an hour every week and not only did I get to learn new things be with new people be out of the house but my dance teacher is now like the most important person in my life and so then it went from being there because I got enrolled to being there because I wanted to be a part of that community to then I'm a part of the family now. And dance is just ingrained in it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, so then how would you, um, excuse me, how would you describe creativity and how is that show in, in, your outlet describe the word creativity or my creativity yeah so i guess in general creativity and then how that transpires to you so your creativity yeah creativity is i feel like i need a word wall the brain the little parts um ex i'm gonna go through bullet points because i'm not so great with words um expression feelings power pulling you in i guess create doesn't really help since it's in the word um 
communication, like to communicate your ideas. Okay. And so then based off that, I think, yeah, yeah, no, definitely great definition. So based on then those words that you used right now, how does that reflect on your creativity? I didn't realize just how important dance was to me until I left for college and wasn't in dance anymore. And I realized that that creative outlet was missing and my life needed it. Nothing else could satisfy that part. And even though in dance, I was always, you know, given choreography and told what dances to do and whatever, it was still creative because my body was doing it. My body could make it my own. I could interpret it. I could share my story in my way through it. And so despite being like given the choreography, when I didn't have it is when I realized just how much I needed it. I think, yeah, I think many, you know, many listeners, many viewers can really relate to that as far as, you know, since dance is a form of expression, as you mentioned before earlier, that um, it is an outlet, right? It is like a, it is a stress reliever. It is a way just to, for you to just decompress even, right? And so, like you mentioned, it's something that many don't realize that that's what it is until it's gone, right? I think now in, you know, whatever point of life that a person is in, you should definitely identify, okay, what creative outlets do I have or what forms of decompression or what forms of expression do I have now? And obviously making sure that we don't lose it in, um, cause you said you didn't really notice it until you went off to college. Right. And obviously that was a big life moment. So recognizing it now so that when we do get to those big life moments, Hey, we keep that consistency. Of, okay. This is my own thing. Kind of like you mentioned, right? This is my way of decompressing. This is my way of expression. Thank you for that. Um, I know you mentioned your uh, dance teacher when you first started out. Uh, is are there any other people that really influenced your your uh, just how how you dance or um, just your way of expressing yourself? Um. So until high school, it was more just like I knew my dance teacher. I knew the kids at other dance studios, and I knew the girls at competitions but once I got into high school and because I was a performing arts school we like did the history of tap and stuff in our excuse me in our class um I learned about all of these famous dancers that really opened my eyes to just how much there is out there and how much more I could learn to do. I did do a report on Martha Graham in middle school, though. So that was probably my first experience. Um, she's a, one of the first modern dancers. Um, and then I learned about Isadora Duncan and how badass she was and was just like, mm, I don't really like the way you're doing ballet. I want to move this way, so I'm going to go do it my way. And then 
in tap watching the old movies and seeing Eleanor Powell just doing these spins and making the perfect notes and then Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire gliding across the stage just made me all the more want to be like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's what I want to do. Oh, and the Rockettes, obviously. <laughs> okay, so I know you mentioned those people and, and um, they provided that inspiration. Would you say that they also influenced the way that you particularly danced? Or are there any other people, are there any other people that kind of influenced um, how you dance? Yeah, growing like at the studio, it was all very classical. Um, so like Balanchine Ballet and very like Broadway tap, Bob Fosse jazz, like that was just what it was. And then when I moved to high school, I learned that there were different styles of all those things. And learning about like Martha Graham and Isadora Duncan made me appreciate ballet more because you have to have the structure but then you're allowed to go off course you don't always have to follow the rules and seeing how they struggled at their time and were like shunned because how dare you disgrace ballet um to now modern dance being one of the most popular was inspirational in that like okay okay people may not like me now but it could be cool later and then in tap the difference between like just like moving while you're dancing versus like very proper like flexed hands doing the arms exactly the right way giving that like now i know when I'm performing, which style I want to use for that specific piece. But then is there any f particular style that allows you to be, I don't want to say more creative, but more free, not as maybe not as where it kind of um, forces you to be as structured or are they all pretty equal as far as how um, creative and free you can be? I don't have to label any of my acts as this is jazz or this is ballet. So I don't have to fit into any of the boxes anymore. Um, so then can you kind of walk us through your creative process when choreographing a new piece? It depends on whether I have a song I really want to do or if there's like a prompt for the next show. So if I have a song I really want to do, I'll just listen to the song a gajillion times because normally it's, I can see myself doing a piece of the dance. And so to make the whole act, I have to like figure out what the rest of the parts are. Uh -huh. But it's based on that, okay, I know I want to look like that on stage during that eight count. Now let's do the rest of the song. If there's a prompt, 
I struggle more. <laughs> um, for one show, it was plant-themed. We had to communicate something about plants through our dance. And I was like, well, how am I going to do that? And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I know the song Build Me Up Buttercup, and I can for sure make a dance to that, but like, can I make it a story? Like, is it going to communicate something? And so I listened to like 18 different versions of Build Me Up Buttercup and then was really thinking about what I wanted to communicate. And then I was able to make a piece. I like what you said of, of how can you make it a story? And I think it's it's easy for a lot of people to forget that you know, like when you're writing a piece of music or, you know, playing guitar, you're telling a story, right? And the same thing with dance of, it's not just movements, right? Not just some type of structured movement or some type of crazy movie. You're actually telling a story and, and thinking about it, like you said, like, how can you tell that story through, through dance, right? And again, I think a lot of people just don't really think about that when first looking at someone dance, right? Even looking at um, street performers in Las Vegas or in San Francisco, you're, you know, just street performers that have that, choreography and it's like okay you know not just watching but now being able to observe like what are they what story are they trying to portray right what are they trying to tell you what are they trying to say what are they you know how are they using that form of expression to tell whatever story it is that they're you know showing you and so i'm, I'm very i'm happy that you mentioned that and i hope it gives our, our viewers and listeners just that next time that they do see a person okay what story right am i seeing right what story what thing can i see in this person's choreography so um in that case, then what has been your most memorable or favorite performance and, and why? This is a really difficult question because I've had so many different types of experiences, like because I'm lucky enough to have had so many different experiences. Um, one of the most memorable was a recent show where I had a terrible costume malfunction and it ruined well, for me, it ruined the entire piece because it went wrong at the very beginning. I was a mess afterwards. I was crying and sobbing, makeup everywhere. Um, but like only the people who knew me knew that something went wrong. And they were like, no one else noticed. Like you did great. You covered it. You made it look like it was a part of the act. Um but that was like very recent. So it's at the top of my mind because I've never had that feeling of being on stage, having started and wanting to run off stage. I like there was a moment where I was like, I think I'm just going to walk off stage instead of finishing this. Um, that was a lot but then if I think back to high school, like our senior show where it was the very last show and all of us are seniors and we've been together for four years and we're about to go off into the big world and we're performing and it was perfect and everybody nailed it all. And then we land and like the, the audience, uh, and then I think of stuff like that and that that's happier. Right. Right. For sure. Uh, um, 
it's awesome that you found that I guess that motivation or you know, a discipline, if you want to call it, to keep going even when you mess up, right? And, and uh, as a performer, it's I think it's easy for us to obviously we're our own worst critics, right? And so when we do have that mistake or slip up or whatever that is during that performance, you know, in the back of our head, we're like, oh, why did that happen? Or of course it had to happen right now. Um, one thing that I recall that my piano teacher would tell me all the time, and this is what I tell my students now, most of the time people won't even notice unless you make it noticeable. Right. Um, I knew a performer, um, one of my buddies that when he would practice, right, every time he messed up, instead of practicing and like completely stopping and going back or restarting, he just smiled bigger. Right. And so I knew, right, people that knew him that when he smiled bigger, when he was performing, it was the bigger the slip up, right, or the bigger the mistake. Um, and again, like, you know, like you said, it's just people that know, you know, right, that your form of communication, right, uh, your form of expression of, okay, like, ooh. You know, they're smiling bigger. Ooh, was it really that big of a mistake? Or, you know, is that their you know, own conscious saying, ooh, you really messed up, right? But I think it's important for, for people to just know that, hey, like, you're your own worst critic and just keep going, right? Keep going. Most people won't even notice that. And so I'm glad that you're able to uh, just keep moving forward and, and just finish out that set. Um, so what are some challenges then that you have faced as a dancer and how have they contributed to your growth to where you are now? Um, I am not a skinny person and dancers are skinny. That's what I was told my entire life growing up. Dancers are skinny. Ballet dancers are skinny. They don't have boobs or hips. Rockets are all 5'7 to 5'9, long legs, and I fit none of those boxes. And so growing up, it was really like, okay, well, I'm doing dance, but I'm not a dancer. Like, I do dance. And then when I found tap, like the, when I got to know the history of tap, it was mostly a, a form of art based on like slave dances and black people owning like we can do this thing and now other people want to enjoy it and seeing that like okay so it used to be that but now they've opened it up and accepted everybody in and then seeing Eleanor Powell being a woman dancing like whoa even women are allowed to do tap because that was big at the time and then the pretty big movement is uh, a dance group of all plus-size women and seeing that for the first time on Facebook, I was like, wait, that's a thing? Like, you're allowed, you're allowed to be a dancer and not skinny? Um, and that's one of the biggest ways that dance, like, challenged me was that there is a picture in your head when you think of dancer 
And I've never fit in that picture, that mold. So I know you mentioned that that thought process of, okay, I dance, but I'm not a dancer, right? And I would hope that now you're right, you do consider yourself a dancer. So when was that transition point of, okay, like, I'm not just a person that dances, right? I am a dancer. So can you kind of go walk us through that process of just when that transition was? It wasn't until later in high school when there was ballet ensemble, jazz ensemble, modern ensemble, and tap ensemble. And I was in tap. And all the other ensembles have the dancer look. But we all took classes together. It was just our like ensemble class that was just that specialty. And so we're all dancing 22 hours a week. We're all doing our work. We're all making mistakes and trying to get better. And then one day it just kind of hit me that like, well, wait, if we're doing all of the same things, I guess that makes me a dancer because I know they're a dancer. But if I'm doing all those things, I guess I am too. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, kind of like a like a light bulb move, like, hey, like I I find not finally, but I fit into that category, right? And or that realization, maybe. Um, so then, how would you? How what is your? Is there a process, or is it kind of like you just let it come to you of um, overcoming self doubt or creative blocks throughout your artistic journey? I avoid it. So, like, I had a a show a couple weeks ago that I've known about for months. Months. Met with the person I was, like, communicating their idea through and had some ideas, but I wanted to make it perfect. And I didn't know how to make it perfect. And so I didn't start. And I just kept avoiding starting. Because if I didn't know how to make it perfect, then how was I going to know how to make it? And I can't start if I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and then it was the week of the show when I actually started choreographing. It was a terrible experience. Don't do what I do just actually try it and I think what I learned from this past time was like okay a reminder perfect doesn't exist um so just do little pieces until you can get enough to make something you love just little pieces here and there and eventually it'll all come together I think that's definitely, definitely great words of wisdom, right? Um, most of the times in today's society, right, we're taught to, to have little to no mistakes, right? Or in lack of better terms, to be, right, perfect or have that per- perfect um, standard that we have to meet. Mm-hmm. And, and like you mentioned, right, it, it's definitely a hindrance for a lot of people to even begin 
to begin something at all, right? Whether it be in schoolwork or dance, right? Writing music, practicing music, and um, I think just starting, right? Just beginning and then kind of figuring it, um, figuring it out on the way. Um, it makes you think of the term, uh, is it fake it until you make it? <laughs> yep. Uh, that is my life motto. Fake it until you make it, yeah. And um, I don't know, when I first heard that term, I, I was like, what, what does that even mean? Like, fake it till you make it. Like, I don't, I don't like, how do you describe that term? It means oh, smile bigger when you right, make a mistake. exactly. And so now, you know, being an adult and, and hearing, I'm like, okay, like, I know what that means. And now I can kind of just really tell anybody else, like, hey, like, perfect is going to change, right? Your definition of perfect is going to change, especially as you grow. And so will there ever be that perfect moment probably not because again that it continues to grow like okay my my milestone is hitting this okay well now it's this now it's this now it's this now it's this and so it definitely just keep going right um for anybody that has that creative outlet just definitely keep going and don't let i, I guess the standards of the world or the standards of society of okay no it has to be perfect really hinder you from uh, just beginning in reality right um especially now with how we're so entrenched with social media of, you know, these people like, oh, like they look like this or um, they sound like this or they do this, but it's like, okay, like, you know, it's easy to um, edit and cut the imperfect, right? And that's typically what we don't see um, on the media today or on the news or, you know, on TV. And so, um, but anyways, <laughs> um, can you describe your typical uh, training routine in terms of dance technique and then uh, physical fitness? I'm terrible at it. Um, I was going to a dance class at least once a week for two or so years, but it was one of my best friends who was teaching it. And so like I knew when to schedule things because she was the teacher so I knew when I was going to be at dance um but her life has evolved and changed and so she's not teaching at the studio anymore and instead of being a responsible dancer and just finding another class to go to I am just keep waiting for her Okay. Um, so then would you say that you're uh, a person that likes to kind of plan out way ahead and, you know, take it step by step or kind of just spur the moment, hey, this is what comes to me. This is what I'm going to do. And like, how, do, how does either or reflect in how you um, perform or when you perform? Definitely the latter. I am so spur of the moment. Um. I, because of my ADHD, I work real well under pressure. So if somebody tells me, hey, uh, somebody dropped out of the show, can you perform on Friday? Yes. I don't know what I'm going to do, but yeah, I can perform. I can throw something together. Whereas like when I had months to prepare, I didn't because I was too in my head. And so then do you think the spur of the moment initiates more creativity or do you think it hinders it or do you think, you know, it just depends on the situation and all? I've had it go both ways. Um, when I'm going to dance regularly, I have 
an easier time throwing together an act spur of the moment because there are more movements and combos I can pull from since I've been going to dance. Whereas other times, the spur of the moment, I'm like, oh, I haven't stretched in a really long time, so I guess I can't do the splits in this show, which means I can't do this or that, and then that hinders the spur of the moment because it's like, oh, well, some of my go-tos I can't go to. So it just depends on the situation then, right? Okay, cool. Um, So then how do you stay disciplined in, in, in your practice? And are there any specific rituals that you follow, whether it be right before a show, you know, the day before the show, week before the show, whatever that is, is there any specific ritual that you, that you kind of like, Hey, I have a dance coming up. This is what I'm going to do. Um, I listen to the song 18 million times. Um, at least three times every day leading up to the show at least whether i'm marking it in my head it's just playing i'm sitting and thinking about it or i'm doing it like at least three times every day the week before the show and then on show day i take forever to do my hair and makeup so like by three o'clock, I am getting ready for the show. Whether it's starting to take a shower or making my coffee to sit down and start makeup. At three o'clock, it is showtime until the show. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. Um, so is there any, appro- or how do you approach, excuse me, collaboration with other dancers um, and choreographers? I don't have a lot of experiencing choreographing with others um choreography is not my strongest aspect um but in collaboration i feel like i do pretty well in that if i'm working with a group and one person has a vision of it being this way and another has a vision of it being this way I'm normally pretty good at saying like, okay, I think this part works better here and that part, if we shift it, we can do part of it here and part of it there. And like just helping organize other people's thoughts. Um, But like with the science act I did with the flowers and then I did another one with an applied math um, procedure I just, I talk to the scientists. I have them tell me as much as they can about whatever the thing is I'm communicating. And I have them tell me random, random things about them. And then when I'm choreographing, I have the full scientific notes and I have the notes about them and then I can mesh it together in a way that the scientists have been pretty happy so far when 
you do collaborate with others, right? Uh, what advice would you give to those that struggle with kind of voicing either their opinions or their thoughts or kind of how you mentioned organizing, you know, what somebody else is trying to say or trying to comprehend, right? So what advice would you give to them to really just, I guess, speak up or just to share their insight? Nobody's perfect. No matter how perfect you think the other person is, they're not. And if you don't think something is going to work, that's okay. If everybody else in the room thinks that that's a perfect combination and you don't, that's okay. You don't have to think it's perfect. Everybody sees things in a different way. And so it is difficult to speak up when there are other people who have so much more experience. And one of the ways I've approached it is the yes and approach of, okay, I really like your idea. And I think for this project, a different way would work better. Um, instead of like saying, oh, I don't like that. Just changing it to be like, I think this might work better. Um, so can you share a memorable, memorable experience from a collaboration on you know, dance project that you did, whether in high school or recently, or, you know, and how, you know, that expression and emotion just really stood out to you. Um, in high school, one of my favorite pieces we did was um, with a guest choreographer, um, Melinda Sullivan, and she has performed with Postmodern Jukebox and with syncopated ladies and she was a student of our teacher and so she came and we did coffee in a cardboard cup and her style is so different than our style at school or from the style at my studio and for all of us in the class to be coming with like okay we know Christy's way at school and then all of us also having our outside dance teacher ways. And then having Melinda be there for two weeks to teach us an entire dance and be like, no, I want it this way. Took a lot of us like each learning a little piece and knowing it really well to help everyone else learn it. And then you add props and things get <laughs> real fun. For sure. So how do you use then dance and or, you know, not maybe just the dance, but your surrounding, your environment, your, you know, the props, like, as you mentioned, to ex for you to use that as a form of expression? And then how do you convey that emotion through your performances? Um, for me, personally, my, my, I don't know, I wouldn't say gimmick. But, like, my thing is my facial expressions. Um, I, I can communicate just about any emotion through my face. And when I'm on stage, it has to be extra big. And it's like I'm telling the story, but I'm not talking. Um, so for me, it's definitely facial expression. I have 
some friends who it's their costume that they communicate through. Their costume tells the whole story. And other friends whose costume is simple, their faces aren't anything extreme, but the way they move is what tells the story. Right. Awesome. Um, How do you handle stage fright before going, you know, before performing? Because I've been in dance so long, I've never understood this whole idea of stage fright. I, because I started dance when I was four, I've been on stage every single year of my life. Um, And like when you're little, you're just told, okay, go do it. And then like, it was a thing that I did. So I don't really have stage fright because you just fake it till right. you make it. Would you say then that you're kind of, I get you were kind of conditioned to where you are now, just like, okay, this is, this is the norm, right? Oh, you want me to go on stage? Sure. All right, yeah. I'll do this, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> that is there any advice that's, because I know you mentioned before, right, of, um, uh, something falling apart while you're performing um, in that in that moment, right? What advice would you give to somebody then that, hey, if something does happen, right? Like kind of what what should they do? Fake it till you make it. Smile big. You just, yes, smile. Um, in, in the movie Burlesque, there's a scene where there's a dancer who like, lost her contacts and the stage hand is like that's okay if you fall off stage boobs up legs out just like whatever's gonna make the audience happy there's always gonna be something they're not looking for a mistake they're looking for the story and so if you just continue on they're following the story for sure. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, are there any lessons or insights that you wish that you had known? I guess I know because I know you said you started out when you were four, but earlier on that, hey, it really helped, right? Um, just as you got older, but that you wish that you learned younger. That it's okay to be different. <laughs> that there are so many different styles of dance that if you haven't tried them all, you can't say you don't like dance. There's, even within ballet, there's so many different styles. And then it's just such a big world of so many people doing so many different things that you can't just say no. You have to try it. Um, I have too many friends who are like, no, I don't dance. And I'm like, we've been at the club before and you've danced. They're like, well, that's not dancing, but it is. That's a type of dance. Um, or like students who say, no, I can't draw. Well, you might not be able to draw well, but like you can draw. You may draw a potato with arms like me, but like it's still drawing. Right. Uh, kind of like trying a new food, right? You can't say you don't like it until you actually tried yeah. it, right? Um, <laughs> awesome. So how has being a dancer influenced or shaped your personal life? Um, 
that whole being on stage my whole life. I'm a ham. I have no um there's nothing holding me back from doing or saying what I think needs to be done or said. Cause I'm used to being on stage where everything has to be big. And so then when there are things happening that are little, I'm just like, well, easy fix. You just say the thing. Has that ever gotten you in <laughs> into like any trouble or anything? Yes, <laughs> yes it has. Um, but I'm an intelligent person, so I generally know when to hold back more than other times. Um, how do you find balance between your dance career and then other aspects of your life? I, I don't do well is how I do it. <laughs> I tend to dive all into one thing and then like notice that the other is falling behind and then have to like catch up with that and then the other one's falling behind um still working still working on finding the balance uh, can you talk about any current or upcoming um projects that you're excited about i am really excited about a show i'm doing in january that's gonna be to live music um so as a dancer we rarely use live music because you can't rehearse it as much right and there's riffs and humans and it's just different but in high school i got to perform with um the drum line on like construction buckets and then the tap dancers and that was it that was that was all of the sound that was happening was the drummers on the buckets and us with our tap shoes. And it was amazing. Um, and so now getting to do it to a like 40s theme jazz band, I'm so excited to get to have that experience again. Awesome. Sounds really exciting. Um, uh, how do you envision the future of your dance career? Um, hopefully getting better at it um being able to perform in more places having more performers know who i am instead of just me knowing everybody being like oh my gosh you're blah blah blah, blah. i saw you here and there and they're like uh-huh who are you um but really it's just for fun so as long as i'm doing it i'll be okay um, and then are there any milestones that you'd be comfortable sharing with um, that you're aiming to hit and then kind of what it is that you're doing to achieve that milestone? Um, the biggest milestone was after going to a show, I think it was my senior year of college. Um, I had been to other shows, dance shows, but after watching this one, I looked at my two best friends and I was like, I need to be on stage. And I made it happen. A year later, I was on stage with that troupe. Um, and since then, it's really just having fun with it. Trying to make pieces that communicate stories. I guess I am trying to get better at costuming. That is one that will forever be my white whale. 
never enough rhinestones. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for that insight and the words of inspiration to um, just how your journey started and where you are now and how others can um, just take that advice and again, right, fake it till you make it and run with it to where they can get to the level to where they want to be, um, such as yourself. So thank you so much. In closing, Alex Mazur's vibrant journey through dance has reminded us that movement isn't just about steps. It's a language of liberation and self-discovery. Join us in thanking Alex for sharing her inspiring stories, embracing authenticity, and illuminating the power of perseverance. As the music fades, let her tale resonate, inspiring you to find your own rhythm and dance fearlessly through life's beautiful symphony. Stay tuned for more uplifting conversations on our podcast, where creativity and passion continue to take center stage.